It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I hope you had a great night. Now it's back to action. Jamie Metz will be with us. Remember, Jamie, he was on 60 Minutes. He's been on with us before, senior fellow at Atlantic Council. And uh, he's actually an advisor to the World Health Organization. He's outraged by the lack of access the Chinese allowed us to have with our scientists and the lack of outrage around the world that we still don't know would cause the coronavirus that really poisoned the planet. Poisoned the planet. And destroyed everyone's economy. And the Chinese are actually bragging about being the first to bounce back economically. Do you believe that? Not an apology? And we can't even get an investigation. Jamie Metzl with us. And Senator uh, Roger, was uh, Dr. Two, Marshall will be with us from Kansas. So let's get to the – just before I do that, today's going to be a big day. Uh, kind of interesting. Governor Abbott's going down to the – uh, to the border, Operation Lone Star. He's going to see what he can do using his local people, the Texas Rangers, to get some law and order on the border. But that's really a federal thing. And keep your eye on 2024. Rick Scott in Iowa today. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We run our business, and I don't respond to boycotts, and you know, we live in a divided time. There's as many people probably on the other side that are upset with me now as were last week. But we were clear before this whole discussion started that we need to protect the right to vote, and we're continuing uh, with that objective. Uh, Ed Bastian, Delta CEO. There's so much pressure on these corporations that uh, on this uh, Georgia vote law. At some point, can we get the truth out about the Georgia election law? As of now, we see Hollywood stars, pro sports, and corporations begin to cave to inaccurate, woke pressure emanating from the President Biden himself. Number two. There's no end in sight. More families keep coming. More children keep coming without parents. And then uh, in other parts of the border, they're seeing massive upticks in the number of people who are trying to evade arrest who are getting caught. So those are people who are not asylum seekers. Anna Giartelli, uh, she is talking about the families. She, she's a member of in Sandy. Uh, what's going on at the border? The Biden border bungle continues. Not a visit from the president, not a presser from the VP, just more kids needing care, more converted facilities to house them. Now we're up to 10 and more billions going out the door because our neighboring nations can't run their countries. And the president is reversing Trump policies and it's hurting everybody. Number one, 2.2 trillion over eight years. I have serious concerns that it's not enough to realize the very inspiring vision that Biden has advanced. We're talking about realistically $10 trillion over 10 years. Uh, AOC, I think you know her voice, infrastructure bill or new Green Deal dream. President Biden unwraps his vision of rebuilding America and pricey $3 trillion spending palooza looks like an economic IED threatening to blow up our rapidly approaching economic bounce back. We'll give you the details. And this is a horror show. I did not see this. They say 20%, but the Washington Post says 5%. 5% is for the actual infrastructure in an infrastructure bill. 5%. What was it? 
20% of the rescue plan had anything to do with the pandemic, but they sell something totally different. First off, we have to stop saying Joe Biden's a good guy he could trust. He's always someone to depend on. He's moderate. He's not. I don't think he's a good guy, number one. Uh, I never really did. I always thought there was something about him. I always felt bad about his personal history uh, and what he's been through with his life, his first family, and then, of course, with the passing of his son, who I've met a couple of times, seemed like a great guy. Hunter, not a great guy. Wrote it. He's actually got the audacity to write a crack book on how all the unsavory things he did while he's being investigated by the FBI, and no one ever asked him about the things that he's involved with and what his dad might know. Tony Bobolinsky should be one whole chapter. I'm sure it's not. So I digress. So what did Joe Biden say? What has he said? He says the rescue plan's got to pass. We have no choice. The red, we already got $900 billion in aid, but we need $2 trillion more. And then we find out all his agenda items are in it. Then we find out, thanks to yesterday, there's a $3 trillion, just one of two infrastructure plans that are going to be rolled out. Yesterday, he announced one. And it is a, a, a cavalcade of unnecessary programs. All right. First off, when it, when you think about infrastructure, I think of bridges and tunnels and the Hoover Dam, and I think about roads, and I think about Eisenhower with the interstate, and I think about uh, trains and the bullet trains. You know what he thinks about? Four hundred billion home care for seniors who are disabled. Look, that's fine, but that should be a different plan. Don't tell me it's infrastructure. Upgrade childcare facilities. And what? Am I building? Am I building a gym? What am I doing? Am I building a nursery school? weatherizing buildings. They're also converting buildings to make them more environmentally friendly. I don't want to spend on that. If you want to build new buildings to a different code, do that. To, to me, with all the things we have to do in this country, taking down existing buildings or changing the size of windows, to me, does not really get hit the top 10 list. He also is going to give free pre-K. He's also going to give free community college. That doesn't belong in this bill. And that's what's so stunning. But he's going to pay for it by reversing everything that's good in Donald Trump's bill. So he's going to raise the corporate tax rate. Okay, seven points. Going to devastate our economy. And China, Japan, Syria, Europe couldn't be happier. He's going to start putting money aside to cap oil and gas gas drilling. He's going to cap these uh, sea sites. Do you believe this? Here's a little from Joe Biden. Cut one. So today... I'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work, not just rewards wealth. It builds a fair economy that gives everybody a chance to succeed and is going to create the strongest, most resilient, innovative economy in the world. So listen, timing's everything. This economy's coming back. Now, I don't have a prediction. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't read the uh, what Nostradamus wrote centuries ago. I know that we, we stopped... Going to hotels. We stopped hopping on planes. We stopped going on vacation. We stopped going to work. We're going to start doing all those things, using buses, using trains, using airplanes, going to resorts. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to start buying things with the $1,400 that we got for no apparent reason in many cases. Trey Gowdy, cut five. He said he hopes it's bipartisan. I can tell you when Congressman Ford was in the House and when I was there, transportation bills were bipartisan. But I've never heard phrases like human infrastructure or social infrastructure. It was always roads and bridges and ports and airports and pipes. I I have no idea what social infrastructure means. As for Senator McConnell, I like him a lot, but Republicans didn't say a word about debt. 
uh, and deficits of the last four years that I can recall, and raising taxes on other people is always politically popular. If this were just about infrastructure, I think it'd get done, but it's about a lot more than that. And if Joe Biden was this conciliatory political figure, it would have been. And, I, you know, Trey Gowdy's just astounded. I never heard this human infrastructure either. But as I brought up yesterday, the human infrastructure is going to destroy us. We have to go back to when he says, you know, I don't I, I don't mind rich. I don't resent rich. But they're going to pay their fair share. They're always paying their fair share. Even Amazon. You want to look at the corporate tax rate? Just keep in mind what Amazon does. They're creating commerce. They're buying buildings. There's enticements to build there. The people that they hire. Now, if you want to find a way to get them to pay more in overall corporate taxes, go ahead. But please don't tell me Amazon's not an asset. As much as Jeff Bezos has been very questionable, as much as I feel he should be paying his people more— I'm not going to do his books, but I don't want to create resentment from corporations unnecessarily. And I don't like when he's lying. Joe Biden flat out does not do the work or is allowed to put these things into a speech that mischaracterizes what exactly the Trump tax bill did. Cut six. I didn't hear that cry, you and cry, when we're doing the same thing. When Trump's tax bill passed, 83 percent of the money went to the top one percent. You know, this is not to target those who made it, not to seek retribution. This is about opening opportunities for everybody else. And here's the truth. We all will do better when we all do well. I love that line. Makes no sense. If you did the research, you wouldn't say what you said. You always say that Donald Trump didn't tell the truth. They allowed him to lie at the press conference on Thursday. They're lying about the Georgia law and what it does. And Joe Biden just said a blatant untruth. He's using an old line from Barack Obama's administration as president. He comes out and says Trump's tax cuts. It's President Trump. You should understand there's an etiquette between presidents especially, number one. And number two, three out of every $4 from that, from that bill that is now law went to families and overall incomes rose from lower to middle to upper. They rose the less. They went up. Well, he had cut taxes from 39.6% to 37%. But he cut more in middle class than anything else. And the new businesses provided a boon because more people were competitive for the same job. So I don't want to take too much time away from uh, Kansas Senator Marshall, so I'll take a break now. I am going to talk about the Biden border bungle, and I am going to talk about uh, what is happening with the Georgia election law and how corporations are being pressured by the wild, woke left. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's time to build our economy from the bottom up and from the middle out, not the top down. That hadn't worked very well. For the economy overall, it hadn't worked. Because Wall Street didn't build this country. You, great middle class, built this country. And unions built the middle class. And it's time when we rebuild the middle class. Yeah, until you uh, – didn't unions actually also build the XL pipeline? But you stopped that in day one. Senator uh, Roger Marshall joins us now. Senator, uh, that is the President of the United States yesterday unveiling his $3 trillion, more like $4 trillion, first of two infrastructure plans. We're going to get another one in a couple of weeks. What did you think about what you've heard so far? Well, well, Brian, uh, we should call this the grab-your-wallet bill, the raise-your-taxes bill, and it's anything but infrastructure. Only 6% of this bill, uh, the funds are going to what you and I would call classic infrastructure, roads and bridges, and the rest of it is really a Green New Deal bill. So the the Democrats' idea of uh, infrastructure is, is a wind turbine in everyone's backyard, a solar panel on everyone's roof, and an electric charger on every street corner. Uh, it's very disappointing. Um, gosh, I, the $2 trillion we just borrowed from our grandchildren a month ago, I wish that was going towards roads and bridges and high-speed Internet. But here we are today, uh, the president asking for another $2 trillion for his pet projects. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's $3 trillion. And, and by the way, we're about to have an economic recovery. If you want to focus right. on some infrastructure, we could do that. And there's ways to finance. You could do bonds and things to that nature. Plus, a lot of these things are financed by the state. But he's trying to re-engineer the country. Does he understand that mar- free market capitalism drives our country, that we can't engineer and guarantee outcomes in this country? There are countries like that. It's not this one. Yeah, the, the way I would look at it, Brian, is every time we send tax dollars to D.C. and then they get sent back to the state, there's people grabbing dollars out of there. Uh, middlemen, call them what you want to, as opposed to if we're using local dollars, we're just more efficient with it. Uh, so I couldn't be more frustrated with the situation. And, and the clip you just played, the, the President Biden talking about the economy, look, pre-COVID, we had the best economy in my professional lifetime partially because we lowered taxes and at a big part because we lowered regulations and we had inexpensive energy and energy independence as well. So this president is unwinding exactly what I thought got us to the strongest economy I've ever seen. And by the way, we lowered taxes that had record income to the federal government. So my scare is here as he raises taxes, 
Uh, it's going to hurt the economy, destroy jobs, and net-net, there'll be less dollars, less tax dollars flowing into the federal government. So I, I think this is the worst of both worlds. But don't worry, he's got $10 billion for a civilian climate corps. Fantastic. He's got $12 billion for community colleges. What are we doing? We're just financing them? He's going to give $16 billion to cap oil wells and old mines. He wants to make everybody drive an electric car, but that's what the free market's for. They are beginning to see more interest in the electric car. And guess what? GM and Ford, they want to make a profit. They will do it. We cannot force that. Didn't Solyndra and all his other and his Fisker push in 2008, didn't it teach him anything? You know, and, and here's just some more frustration, Brian. I, I sat on the Science Space Technology Committee as a congressman for four years and really have stu- studied the environment for decades. It's certainly a priority to me. I want to leave this, this world healthier, safer, cleaner than I found it. And, and I think what the research is showing today is that we're making some incredible progress with biodiesels, renewable diesels, and the carbon footprint for the entire cycle is less for these biodiesel vehicles than it would be for the electric cars. So all they're focused on is tailpipe carbon footprints. They're not looking at, it takes a lot more carbon to make an electric car uh, than it does a traditional combustion combustion engine. And of course, they don't take into account how is that electricity generated. So they kind of came up with the policy and said, hey, go find some some science to support this, rather than truly looking at the science and studying it and trying to compare apples and apples. So I'm pretty frustrated right now. Senator Marshall, he doesn't care. And and people want to keep portraying him as somebody who's bipartisan. He's not close. These are agenda items. He's trying to save an economy that's saving itself. And he doesn't point out the people that we're really competing with. And that is China first and foremost. And China is high-fiving our economic rival, and that's Japan, high-fiving European Union. We're now going to have corporate rates equal with Syria. Fantastic. And now he's mischaracterizing the last tax cut, which he says it was just a big boon for the top 2%. That is just not true. The way he characterizes the Georgia law, it is just not true. The way he characterizes what's happening at the border, saying it's cyclical, that's just not true. And they go, just, it's all that's old Joe Biden. He's a good guy. We have to stop accepting Joe Biden, good guy. You're right. So uh, don't look, don't listen to what he says. Watch what he does. So regardless of the speech he gave last night, uh, he is in, in the middle of the biggest power grab and the biggest hypocritical uh, policies I've ever seen in my life, whether it's uh, getting rid of the filibuster, which which he was in favor of the filibuster two years ago, it spoke many times in favor of the filibuster. Now he's against it. H.R. Uh, one, as you just said, that's a power grab. H.R. one. Uh, is going to destroy election integrity and empower Democrats to be in control forever. Uh, You just go right down the list of their priorities, and they're all power grabs. They're hypocritical. Look at the southern border right now. Just just years, you know, three years ago, this was a horrible situation, according to the Democrats. Uh, Sandy Cortez down there crying how horrible it is, and 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 now she's saying, oh, this is an imperialistic issue and uh, it's a racist issue and, and everything but a crisis. It's hypocritical. It's a power grab. It is. And by the way, just read the Washington Post today. The Washington Post comes out and says 
Uh, some are surprised to see that only 5% of the bill is directed towards roads and bridges. And any question why the administration is mixing other types of policies into a package designed to upgrade the nation's infrastructure? Nearly 20% of the bill goes towards expanding caregiving for the elderly and disabled by building more care centers. You're a doctor. I'm all for uh, helping the elderly. But don't tell me you're building roads and bridges and dams and then build a senior center. That's a different bill. Yeah, exactly. And like you just said, we want to help our seniors. We're going to help our seniors through American innovation. Thank you. If we can come up with if we can come up with a discovery that's going to help cure Alzheimer's, can you just imagine the financial impact, let alone the spiritual, emotional impact on families? Senator Marshall, thanks so much. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Coronavirus is a pretty good, I mean, you're a virologist, you know all this stuff, but they, you can um, manipulate them in the lab pretty easily. It's yeah. just spike protein drives a lot of what happens with the yeah. coronavirus, uh, zoonotic risk. So you can get the sequence, you can build the protein, and we work with Ralph Barrick at UNC mm-hmm. to do this, um, insert it into a backbone of another virus right. and do, do some work in the lab. That's Peter Danzig, the WHO, talking in, in 20, December 2019, you know, not talking about the pandemic. It hadn't hit yet, even though technically it was probably here. He, his name uh, came up again because he was on 60 Minutes. Uh, he's a member of the WHO and an expert on how animal viruses jump to humans. And for some reason, he seems to be carrying water for the Chinese. Uh, maybe he's being sincere. I, sur- I sincerely doubt it. Jamie Metzl is a senior fellow of the Atlantic Council and an advisor to the World Health Organization, former official during the Clinton years for the, uh, the Clinton administration. Jamie, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be with you. So it's been you've had a crazy few days. You went out on a limb. You're really upset that the Chinese have not been totally transparent and give a, giving uh, us, the world, full access and been totally candid about how this virus started. What gets so you? What I'm got a, you so I, incensed? Yeah, so I'm upset. I feel like everybody on Earth, including everybody in China, should be upset. As everybody knows, we're in the middle of the worst pandemic in a century. We've got nearly three million dead. Billions of people's lives have been disrupted, and so we need to get to the bottom of how this happened. And so the thing that really upsets me um, is that the Chinese government from day one has been engaged in a massive cover-up with destroying samples, uh, hiding, uh, hiding records, imprisoning Chinese journalists, asking basic questions, and with a universal gag order on Chinese scientists, preventing them from speaking or writing anything about the origins of the, uh, of the pandemic. And that's why I've been calling from day one for a full and unrestricted international forensic investigation into the origins of the uh, of this pandemic. So you saw that the report was done. This what yeah. did the WHO wasn't didn't do this report directly. They sent in scientists, right? So the, well, so that's that, that's a really important point, Brian, because people feel like oh, this is the WHO. Like Peter Daszak works for the WHO. That's not exactly how it is, although that's how it's been uh, reported. So the, 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 the team that did this study was an independent advisory group, albeit organized by the WHO, but not controlled by it. And it was a joint study 
with their Chinese government counterparts. And the, the, the work product, in my view, was outrageous and, and terrible. Uh, but I, it was really great that Dr. Tedros Adhanom, the director general of the WHO, immediately um, basically uh, rejected the core finding. And Dr. Tedros said, no, we need to investigate all of the hypotheses. And if this team can't do it, I'm, I, Dr. Tedros, am going to find a team that can look seriously at this. So I think that I know there are reasons why many people are, are critical of WHO, and it's not, it's not perfect. But in this case, actually, Dr. Tedros is really trying to, take, to do the right thing and taking big risks uh, to do it. But he, here's what bothers me, Jamie. I don't know how good yeah. that team is. This is your business. But they weren't yeah. given access. So you could put 20 teams in there. They could be the most talented scientists ever. But unless the Chinese are going to be open and transparent, Instead of channeling their old Saddam Hussein from the 90s with the weapons inspectors, it doesn't matter how competent they are, right? Well, that, I mean, I, I share your outrage. And you and I are coming at this from maybe different political starting points, but we are exactly together on this basic point. I mean, for the magnitude of this pandemic, uh, the Chinese government owe their own people and the world absolute openness and transparency. And instead of that, we've seen complete obfuscation and continued cover-up. True. And what you now have is a Chinese country that is not only non-repentant, but they are actually cockier with an additional swagger because they came out of the pandemic first. And along the way, they blamed us for it. They said it was our army that poisoned them. Yeah, no, it's 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 outrageous, and that's why from day one uh, I've been making the case to of, let's look seriously at how this pandemic began. We also have to look at our other failures after the pandemic began, but we need to look at how this uh, pandemic began, uh, and we need to re- be honest about what is the problem we're facing. And everybody in life wants to get along with everybody, but we don't. We can't purchase good feelings on a foundation of lies. Absolutely. So, you know, I watched you in 60 Minutes and you were kind enough to do our show and heard you with Laura, too, because you're out, you're speaking you're on behalf of us. And if you speak and you're a Republican, you think, well, he's going to bat uh, for the China virus. And if you speak for Democrats, it seems like many times you're going to bat for Anthony Fauci and and it's not important how it started. Uh, so so look at that response. We, we are. We all need to go to bat for the truth. And Thank that's, you. I mean, what, whatever our, our politics, I mean, this is beyond politics. This virus isn't discriminating based on Republicans or Democrats. It's harming all of us. And, and this isn't about even pointing fingers at China or, or anybody else. If we don't fully understand where this pandemic began, how it started, uh, we're not going to be able to prioritize our response and we're not going to effectively uh, – we're not going to be ready for the next crisis. So this isn't just about blaming or politics. This is about our lives and our children's lives. So a couple of things, and I'm, will, I'm willing for you to talk over my head on this. Peter Danzig yeah. said something on the bump in, in 2019. He explains how easy it is to manipulate a coronavirus in a lab. You can get the sequence and build the protein and insert it into the backbone of another virus. And he was saying that not knowing we're about to get hit by a pandemic – can you explain why that was important to know and that he believes that? Because we're going to play something well, else from him. It, it's really, really important. Um, and it's connected to what we were talking about a, a moment ago. Yeah, 
why did this pandemic begin in Wuhan? If, it, if the foundation is a horseshoe bat virus, the horseshoe bats are more than a thousand miles away in southern China. What they do have in Wuhan is China's only level four virology institute with the world's largest collection of bat coronaviruses that was doing uh, aggressive gain-of-function research trying to make these types of viruses much more able to infect human cells and infect human cells in exactly the way the SARS-CoV-2 infects our cells now. That's why it's so concerning, and that's why it's frankly so outrageous that somebody like Peter Daszak is actually a member of this international investigation team. What do you think of him? You know, I think he's, he's maybe well-intentioned, and it's, it's probably hard for any of us uh, that you, you dedicate, he's dedicated his whole life um, based on a certain worldview, which is that these kinds of outbreaks happen when, uh, when the viruses jump from animals to humans. And so we need to understand that process, and we need to, uh, we need to prepare for what may be coming. In pursuit of that, they thought, well, let's understand the evolution of viruses by pushing them forward. And then he got money from the United States government and elsewhere, and he funded his organization, EcoHealth Alliance, funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And I think, frankly, it's probably hard for any of us to admit that our life's work, what we've believed in more than anything else, could have caused one of the greatest disasters in, in modern history. So I, I don't think that he's some kind of, of sinister agent of China, but I think that he's so locked in to a certain worldview um, and he's defending that, uh, that worldview, in my view, even in face of pretty strong circumstantial evidence to the country. So you're trying to think, Peter, that he, uh, excuse me, uh, you're trying to think that Peter, Jamie, has, is going to, is, you're going to the better side, the, his better angels. So you kind of pitted against him in 60 minutes. So I want to play the clip where Peter yeah. Danzig defends himself. He's a member of the WHO, yeah. an expert on how animal viruses jump to humans. He is perfectly comfortable with this study. Uh, cut 50. The theory is that somehow that virus got from a bat into one of these wildlife farms and then the animals were shipped into the market and that they contaminated people while they were handling them, chopping them up, killing them, whatever you do before you cook an animal. Wild animals? Yeah. These, like what? They're traditional food. Civets, these are like ferrets. There's also an animal called a ferret badger. Rabbits, which we know can carry the virus, those animals were coming into the market from farms over a thousand miles away. Were you able to test any of the animals found in the Wuhan market for the virus? Well, the China team had done that, and they found a few animals left in freezers. They tested them. They were negative. But the fact that those animals are there is the clue. But there's no uh, direct evidence that any of those animals were actually infected with the bat virus. Correct. Now what we've got to do is go to those farms and investigate, talk to the farmers, talk to their relatives, test them, see if there were spikes in virus there first. So the team doesn't actually know if any of the farmers or the truckers were ever infected. No one knows yet. No one's been there. No one's asked them. No one's tested them. A couple of things. I heard they hosed the whole market down instantly before anyone could analyze it. They gutted it first. The Chinese did. And they physically picked up people and put them into buildings and just said, we'll get your food, just shut up. And when scientists tried to speak up and speak out, they were jailed. One guy died. Um, What do you think of that exchange with Leslie Stahl? 
Well, here's here's my biggest problem with it. Um, I get, as I said before, uh, that Peter, that his life's work is looking at how these viruses jump from animals to humans. And because that's happened in the past, we need to think of that as a very real possibility. Uh, the animal transmission, where an animal may have been sent to the market, I think it's highly unlikely because we would have seen outbreaks where the animals were originally. We would have seen outbreaks where the animals were in transit to Wuhan. And these animals weren't only sent to Wuhan, so we would have seen it someplace else. It's highly unlikely, but nothing wrong with looking at any hypothesis. The thing that I find so outrageous and, and frankly, offensive um, is that this joint team of these international experts and the Chinese government are bending over backwards to try to find evidence where there is none of this animal-to-human jump or frozen uh, uh, chain transmission, and they're doing everything possible to prevent a full investigation into the, in my view, likely possibility that COVID-19 started from an accidental lab incident. That, in my view, is the, is the core problem. All right. Just a little bit about bats. This is from CBS This Morning in March of 2021, looking for the closest COVID relative in a bat cave that caused the deaths over in 2012. So yeah. here's a CBS correspondent uh, trying to get in. Cut 51. COVID's closest known relative in the natural world, a 96% genetic match, was ID'd here in horseshoe bat droppings in 2013. In a copper mine in this hazy, rolling countryside of China's southwest Yunnan province. Our CBS News team searched for it, where six men contracted a novel flu-like virus in 2012. Three died. Before we found that mine, we found this. Angry men shouting at us to leave. We've uh, just been chased off uh, away from where the mine is. These guys are proof that they're trying to control the people who go in and therefore trying to uh, control the information that comes out. Can, can you deduce anything from the security in a, in a cave slash mine? Oh, it's huge. That's really significant. It wasn't just CBS. The same thing happened to BBC. And there were some researchers who actually made it to the cave and took some samples. And those samples were confiscated and presumably destroyed. And so why is it that they don't want people to go there? Well, this, this uh, virus that was taken from that cave, it's called RATG13. Um, as was said in that clip, is the closest known genetic relative to SARS-CoV-2. It's probably not the backbone of SARS-CoV-2, but we know that people, researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, had multiple trips to that mine and collected many different viruses, including bat coronaviruses. And it's possible and even quite likely um, that there were other viruses, possibly even more closely genetically related um, to SARS-CoV-2. But what's happened? The, uh, the databases from the Wuhan Institute of Virology have vanished. No one has access to them, including this international committee that said they were going to the Wuhan Institute of Virology and, and, uh, and asking questions. Um, and so that's really significant. If the, if the databases have disappeared, if the Chinese scientists won't say what viruses were held, specifically what viruses were held 
in these institutes, and they're blocking researchers, reporters, or anybody from mm -hmm. going to that mine. It doesn't say, oh, yeah, the China's totally transparent. They're really being open. They want to get to the bottom of this. It tells me, and I think should tell everybody, they are actively trying to hide something. So that should make us want to know and, frankly, demand to know what is being hidden. Jamie, wow. Uh, so this isn't over, not by a long shot, because we just don't have the answers. And the uh, harder yep. they push back, the closer we're, you know, the closer we're getting to the, the truth. Jamie Metzl, thank yep. you. My pleasure, Brian. Anytime. You got it. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. We gave you a lot. Back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Say it with me. See, say Broadway. The future is ours. So what is right? Evidently, that is Jill Biden totally screwing up Spanish. It should be si se puede. Oh, okay. Not All right. I, I, everyone had a field day with that, so that's why I pulled it. I didn't know if I could actually hear it. You know what we should have done? We should sort of messed that up. We should have given you the language for you to read first to see how you would have said it. That's a, we did mess that up. Right. So it's, it's easy. You know, the other, uh, our last first lady spoke five languages, probably could have nailed it, never really asked. Uh, Sean, listen on WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Sean. Hey, good morning, Brian. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, um, I'm just a regular guy. I live in Florida, work a full-time job. Um, it's just, it's kind of, uh, disturbing to me how the, the representatives in our party that we elect to represent us, go up to Washington, try and make things better for us. They're kind of just, in my opinion, they're standing by the sideline watching the new administration kind of just do whatever they want. They don't really seem to be holding anybody accountable. Joe Biden wants to pass a $3 trillion. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, really, it's really frustrating because I'm going to be paying for it. You're going to be paying for it. My kids, my grandkids are going to be paying for it. And yet the people that we've elected to go up there and try to hold people in check and have checks and balances – don't really seem to be as pissed off as we are. I think so. I think you're right. I I'm wondering, you know, Mitch McConnell's kind of a laid-back guy to begin with. But, I mean, you just got that. Kevin McCarthy came out and basically said the $1.9 trillion, we couldn't do anything about it. Now they're not going to be able to do anything. I don't think they're going to be able to do anything about this because they're going to do it on simple party lines because they blew Georgia. So uh, they don't seem nearly as angry. But, man, well, when it comes to election season, it will be probably next year this time for 2022. Uh, they better take no prisoners. Thanks, Sean. Uh, and I think you're better than a regular guy. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. 
Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade, and welcome to my own show, which I thought was mine until I heard Frank Bruno change my open, which I'm sure was Eric's idea. And Allison is surprised, shocked, and amazed and did not approve this whole process. Hi, Chris. Oh, I didn't know if I was supposed to speak. I, ladies and gentlemen, let me just say something. There is going to be heck to pay when <laughs> this segment is over. Because I was totally surprised by that. Brian was surprised. I'm floored. The difference is I'm kind of a nice guy. And so th- are you telling me that they did that? They yes. embarrassed the host of the show, the person who pays their ch- paycheck and didn't check with you first? And today's payday. This is when I physically put money into their accounts. I walk around to their banks. Oh, my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, just be very happy you are nowhere near the Fox News studios because there (laughs) is going to be an explosion. But, you know, Frank Bruno doesn't lie, and I guess eventually I will be a power player again. That's what he's saying. You were were a power player. Right, but that was a long time ago. If you would like to switch and you can be the host of Fox News Sunday – and I can do this show, and I won't call it, you know, I'll be like you. I won't call it Wallace and Friends, which is how you started off. I'll just make it the Chris Wallace show. How about this, Chris? I, Let's see how this goes. You ready for this? Right. I am going to do my big three, and you be the color commentator. So I'm going to, I'll read, you know, my script because I need that. And then you just yes. prefer a line or two, and then we'll move to the next one. You ready? Uh, okay. All right. We'll try it. All right, so everybody, now it's time for the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Chris Wallace's Big Three. <laughs> Number three. We run our business, and I don't respond to boycotts, and you know, we live in a divided time. There's as many people probably on the other side that are upset with me now as were last week, but we were clear before this whole discussion started that we need to protect the right to vote, and we're continuing uh, with that objective. That was outrageous, but that was Ed Bastian. He's the Delta CEO. He is actually giving into the boycott, it seems. At some point, we got to get the truth out about the Georgia election law. As of, as of now, we see Hollywood stars, pro sports, corporations begin to cave to inaccurate woke pressure emanating from the president himself. Number okay. two. Uh, my There's no end in sight. More families keep coming. More children keep coming without parents. And then uh, in other parts of the border, they're seeing massive upticks in the number of people who are trying to evade arrests who are getting caught. So those are people who are not asylum seekers. The story at the border. The Biden border bungle continues. Not a visit from the president, not a presser from the VP, just more kids needing care, more converted facilities to house, more billions going out the door because our neighboring nations can't run their countries. And the president reversed Trump policies that were working. Chris. Oh, now I'm going to be allowed to talk. Well, as far as Delta is concerned on on, uh, the big three, the first one, you know, I don't mind whether they want to be for or against the bill. But if they were going to be against the bill, they should have been against the bill before it was passed. They are simply caving to public pressure on this one. uh, I agree with you. It's a mess. If the administration going to send all these signals, people can come on over. They should have prepared for it. Let's let's go to the the big one. $2.2 $2.2 trillion over eight years, I have serious concerns that it's not enough to realize the very inspiring vision that Biden has advanced. We're talking about realistically $10 trillion over 10 years. Right. Uh, the Biden has advanced. That's, I, when I looked at this package, the first thing I thought of, not enough. 
infrastructure bill or new Green Deal dream. President Biden unwraps his vision of rebuilding America, and this pricey spending palooza looks like an economic IED threatening to blow up our rapidly approaching economic bounce back. Will you give? We will give you the details, Chris. I can't beat economic IED. I, I, you know, why top it? <laughs> so, first off, what do you? Uh, great to see you. And you've taken over the big three. And I did not know that. I did not know you took over the hour. Uh, that this oh is God. all new to this me. Gonna be, there's going to be such a blowback. Is Allison in on this, or is she like? Allison, realizing? are you in on this? I am in on it, Chris. But the two of you have not sort of mentioned the key fact of today, which is it's April Fools. Oh, seriously. I did not know. I totally. Uh, Two of the most brilliant men in TV, (laughs) Ah, and ah. you didn't think of that. Did not even think of it. Well, that was good. I I, got to say, that was pretty good. (laughs) It was pretty good on their part. It was great. I I apologize. I was a a little bit uh, upset for you, Ryan, (laughs) but uh, this is actually pretty funny. It It is is April Fool's Day, and you and I are the April Fool's. All right, so we might as well do the show. So, Chris, what do you think of this infrastructure yep. deal? Uh, the New York, the Washington Post today says five percent is actually for infrastructure, traditional uh, bridges and tunnels and dams. Well, that that may be true. I do think we there's a lot of stuff. I mean, all you have to do is go through most of the airports in this country. There's some nice ones, but there are a lot. Sure. But a ramshackle, you go through a lot of bridges. Uh, they they need help. Uh, highway system needs help. So I'm for an infrastructure. But look, Donald Trump was for an infrastructure program. He just never got around to to really pushing it. And and I am a believer that there are other parts that you know that we need to expand the definition of infrastructure. So I mean, when you see what happened to the electrical grid in Texas when they had the freeze, I, I'm I'm all for upgrading those parts of our infrastructure as well, not just roads and bridges. Having said that, it is an awful lot of money. I mean, $2 trillion on top of the $2 trillion that we just passed, on top of the $2 trillion that is going to be in the next plan, and trillions more in taxes. I mean, at some point, you do say it's enough. I mean, and I kind of – I was – you took the words right out of my mouth about AOC. And, you know, I have to say, I feel more conservative today than I normally do. Because (laughs) I agree with you. When I heard AOC say $10 trillion, that was my reaction, too. First reaction, this is too small. There's not enough money and there's not enough taxes in here. We need it to be bigger. Right. Uh, (laughs) I love the sarcasm. All right, I want to move on to something else and the Georgia election law. I'm fascinated to see how this has been mischaracterized. The Washington Post looked at the president of the United States and said— you're wrong. You got four Pinocchios. You're wrong when it says uh, when you say that uh, you're not allowed to bring water online. The answer is you're allowed to bring water just if you're a political organization. You can't bring refreshments. But elections are. You're wrong to say that it's shut down earlier. The times are exactly the same. They actually expand early voting times in particular. They're wrong on so on so many of these issues. Drop boxes didn't exist before the pandemic. Now they're mandatory in every single county, including Sundays. You can early vote that souls to the polls. That's still in play. We had Brian Brian Kemp on yesterday. He just did uh, Dana and uh, and Bill Hemmer on television. I cannot believe how this has been misconstrued. Uh, I I I don't agree with you there. I think there are parts of it that have been. Construed, not misconstrued. I didn't. I don't know if there's a word like construed. There should be. Uh, you, you, you. That's. Let me just say because I got into a. I got into a big fuss about this with Josh Holmes on Sunday. The law specifically says outside people 
cannot bring water and food to people waiting online. It has nothing about political entities. It just says people. If you read the law, it does say that poll workers can provide water, but poll workers, you know, when's the last time you had a poll worker uh, providing water? I mean, I think. When's the last time you needed one? Well, the the fact is that in a lot of let's let's talk about this honestly. In a lot of minority districts, they it, it, one of the ways that they suppress the vote is they don't have enough poll workers, they don't have enough voting places, they don't have enough voting machines, and as a result, people end up having to wait online for hours. And it, you, you know, it it. it is a way to suppress the vote, and so people want to. And obviously, they are political but, workers. But, but Chris, you have to say this is the craziest thing. To know the no, pre, no, if I, the precinct, if there's a long line, the precinct can have water. What you do is you come back. It's like every precinct can hand out water. They don't want Republicans or Democrat affiliated organizations handing out uh, gifts. Heroes but, or water. Gifts. We're talking about a bottle of water. What's or, uh, I mean? What's what's wrong? Because it can manipulate Why the not vote. Make it easier for people to vote. And as far as drop boxes are concerned, I voted by drop box in in this last election. I didn't cheat. I think drop boxes are a great idea. Now I'm not saying you should have them on every street corner, but but you know you have to sign know. your name. That's still going to go in and be subject to all the checks and balances that other things are. So. I, you know, but I, they want to have control, so they're in every county. The big counties, they get more than one. This one, they, they, they have a rule that it could be one for every 100,000 people. That's ridiculous. Why? why? Well, I don't understand. I, I understand we don't want cheating, but why make it so hard for people? I think that Election Day should be a holiday. Well, I think that there should be 24 hours of voting on Election Day, and it does allow counties to, to restrict uh, early voting to, to end it at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, if you're a working person, what, let me ask a question. You know, you got to have Brian Kemp on. The conservative Republican legislature passed this bill. They passed it because they they were trying to make it harder for people in certain areas to vote. Nope. What well, makes you that's think that? My opinion. What makes you think that? Because I look at what's in the bill. I mean, it, it doesn't say political organizations can't hand out water. It says people can't hand out water. Read read the bill, because I got into well, it last, this last week. Okay, here's what Brian Kemp said. Uh, cut 32. What he was saying is not true. As a matter of fact, we've got 134 out of 159 counties, and this bill will actually be expanding the number of hours that people can vote in the process. So what he's saying is not true. But, you know, it leads to the question of this is all just a distraction for them to make a case to do an unconstitutional power grab with H.R. 1, and also to distract from the, you know, talking about water flowing, there's a crisis of people flowing across the southern border. Uh, you know, perhaps they should pay more attention to that than our um, genuous voting times that we have in Georgia, especially compared to his own state of Delaware. So here's the Washington Post. They did a false claim, four false claims by the president, and he continues to say it. He said it yesterday. Uh, I'm worried. Uh, he, President Biden says in the Georgia law, what I'm worried about is how un-American this is. It's sick. They say, Mr. Uh, they say Biden's statement Friday among the outrageous parts of his new state law ends voting hours early. OK. Glenn Kessler writes, one should understand a flub in the news conference. But then the same claim popped up in official presidential statement. Not a single expert we consulted who has studied the law understood why Biden made the claim as this was. 
the section of the law that expanded early voting for many Georgians. Kessel went on to say Biden framed his complaint in terms of a slap at working people. Many listeners might assume he was talking about voting on Election Day, not early voting. But Election Day hours have not changed. An additional mandatory day of early voting on Saturday was added to the two days of early voting on Sunday, which were codifies as an option for counties. Somehow Biden managed to turn the expansion into a restriction aimed at working people, calling it among the most outrageous parts of the law. There's no evidence in that case. That's the Washington Post. Well, and and, and those parts there, obviously, uh, Biden was wrong about. On the other hand, PolitiFact looked at what Josh Holmes said, which was that only political and uh, that only political organizations uh, are banned uh, from giving out water and called that mostly false. So, you know, you pick your pick your fact checker. But I will say this, even the substance, if I'm going to wait in line, if you're the governor, say, governor, I would like to make sure these lines that traditionally have long lines, you want water there. Okay, fine. But you understand the reason for it. The reason for it is you don't want Stacey Abrams' organization or Carl Rove's organization going up, handing you, handing you refreshments. Who gives the better refreshment gets the vote. I, what I'd really like is not to have hour or two hour or sometimes four hour long waits to go vote. Absolutely. We, we ought to make it as easy as possible for people to exercise their vote. One what about ID? I like about, Where do you stand on ID? One of the things I like about this election, this last one, is we had record turnout. We we should be we should be excited about people. Yes, we don't. Want I don't cheating, love mailing, but we want turnout. I don't love mailing. Um, I I have mixed feelings about mailing. I think mailing. You know, look, we had a COVID. We needed to rush it. I yep. think it probably needs more checks and balances than we had in this particular election. I agree with you on that. Are you a view? Are you pro ID? Um. I, you know, I, I have mixed feelings. I, I need to know more about it because I'm told, and, you know, I haven't honestly studied this, that there are a lot of people, you know, I, I think it's hard for a lot of your listeners and me to, to believe this or you to believe it, but that a lot of Americans don't have driver's licenses, don't have a government ID, and, you know, should still be able to vote. And so if they, you know, if we have them signing their names and the names are accurately checked, you know, okay. I, you know, I. It seems to me an ID should be okay. We do it for airports and all kinds of other things. Vaccines. People say it's a restriction on voting. I'd need to study that more. Hmm. I'm, I've already studied it. It's we need it. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're on my show, so it doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> hey, Chris, who do you have on this weekend? Do you know yet? Yes, I know. Yes, actually, we know everybody. I, it's a, it's an Easter miracle. We're going to have Brian Deese. He's the chief economic advisor to the president, who's going to argue uh, as to why this uh, tax and spend bill, and it is a tax and spend bill, $2 trillion of taxes, $2 trillion more of spending uh, is needed for the country. We're going to talk to uh, Senator Roy Blunt, who will argue the opposite. And then, you know, that alarming announcement from uh, Rochelle Walensky, CDC director, that we're headed for another fourth wave. We'll be talking to Dr. Michael Osterholm from the University of Minnesota about where we are on that. Yeah, this ought to be good. you got to get Brian Kemp on. Are you? Wait a minute. It's you, you've got your show. You don't don't tell me who to book on my show. <laughs> I'm just telling you because we need <laughs> to see that. Like. How about a debate? How about a debate? This one, you know, this is. It used to be that people would have come on the air with each other and they'd talk. Now everybody is 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 you know has to be on by themselves. Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams for an hour debating voting rights in this bill. I would love that. I think we'd learn a lot from that bill. I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna see if I can that. make that happen. Okay. <laughs> 
All right, Chris Wallace, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on your show. Even on April Fool's Day. Thank you. (laughs) Chris Wallace, thanks. Watch Fox News Sunday. Back in a moment. Celebrating 10 years. Wait, has it really been that long? As usual, you've made it all about yourself. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. So the filibuster stands in the way of a lot of legislation, and whether or not it can be either reformed and amended or eliminated is what we will find out in the next uh, weeks. It certainly should be lifted for constitutional matters, and I would put election law matters at the top of that list. All right. That's good to know, because in a year, it looks like the Republicans are going to take back at least the House and probably the Senate. Hillary Clinton changing her tune big time. Uh, now she realized the filibuster, yeah, they're too long. This former senator, Laura at WABC. Hey, Laura. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. Where do you stand on what we were talking about with the Georgia law? I just think that we tend to go off on tangents, and we we tend to be led astray by silly things like water and things like that, and we move away from what's really important. I just don't understand why, you know, get people revved up to vote, getting them out, getting IDs, you know, promoting that, getting them, you know, on the record, figuring out their lives. I don't know why we remove those kind of responsibilities and we have such limited expectations of people's abilities and bring your own water i mean put your water in your pocket i mean i just don't understand where we're going we just have such you know we're we're taking away people's um you know life skills of like figuring out and get an idea how do you cash a check Uh, how do you get a vaccine how could you not have an id how could you if you want to have a program have a program to give people masses IDs for the few that don't have it. Uh, listen, that was a great point. In Yonkers, there's always a lot of logic. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. President Biden may say, listen, today in Pittsburgh, I want $2.25 trillion over eight years. But when it lands in the House, you and your colleagues may say $2.25 trillion is a starting point. But this needs to be a, a bigger bill. This needs to get larger before the Senate even gets a look at it. Is it fair to ex- expect that oh. that may be the way this goes? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, if we could wave a magic wand and there and progressives in the House were able to name any number and get it through, um, which obviously isn't the case. But if we're looking at ideals and what we think is the actual investment, we're talking about realistically uh, 10 trillion dollars over 10 years. Right. It's great when it's that your money, when it's taxpayers money. Isn't it fantastic? Uh, Russ Vogt joins us now, former director of the uh, OMB Office of Management and Budget. Uh, from July 2020 to January 21. Uh, Russ, welcome. Thanks for having me. So isn't it interesting? Uh, I looked at the $2 trillion after the $1.9 trillion. I think, where are we getting this money? Oh, wait, uh, AOC, who was a bartender, 
for a while who really understands trillions says this is just a down payment. We need ten trillion. Is that how you feel? No, it, it honestly takes your breath away with their appetite to spend other people's money and to do it in such a careless fashion on top of recent bills. I mean, they have a, you know $100 billion for schools, and they just did $100 billion, and $100 billion before that hadn't been spent. So it's so careless, and it's, un, it, it's, it's really going to hurt our country moving forward. What I was shocked at, how, how little of it is infrastructure. Do you guys want it to get an infrastructure bill? Uh, and now they have a chance, and they're going to upgrade child care facilities. They're going to weatherize buildings. They're going to retrofit buildings. I wonder what that means. Uh, they're going to do school construction. I didn't know we were out, but that's interesting. At least it's building. They're going to have $10 billion for a civilian climate corps. Well, that's really going to help the infrastructure. They're also going to put $16 billion to cap oil wells and old mines. We're capping oil wells now? Yeah, I mean, you look at this bill, a $2 trillion uh, in bill that only about 5 to 7% of it is actual roads and bridges and ports and things that you and I would say is real infrastructure and that we tried to get passed under the last administration with President Trump. And, and just to go back, we could never do that because they were they every time we got into a room and said, let's have a, let's negotiate an infrastructure bill, they said, no, you got we're not going to agree to anything until you raise taxes. And so now they put forward a bill. So much of it is things like climate resilience, replacing yellow school buses. I mean, this is just nonsense. They are going to raise the corporate rate from 21 to 28 percent, impose a 21 percent global minimum tax. I don't know what a, a global minimum tax is. Can you help me with that? Yeah, it's an increase in the, the penalty that uh, a corporation would would take to be able to tax their their resources that are not here in this country, and so, you know, they, they're going to hide behind the fact that the twenty eight percent increase is is enormous. But they're not. They're going to say, look, you know, compared to where it was, it's you know, it, it's still on your side of the, the fence. But then when you factor in the global minimum tax on top of it, you're now back at at the incredibly highest levels uh, if you, for our country vis-a-vis the rest of the world. So, you know, 25 percent is where China is. Uh, it is we're moving in the wrong direction. This is one of the biggest tax increases in, in history. It kills jobs. It kills investment. And it will make infrastructure itself much more expensive. It's going to eliminate tax preferences to fossil fuel se- sectors. Do they get a lot of preferences? You know, they get some tax preferences, and, you know, they also get things that the left likes to conclude is is for fossil fuel uh, investments, but is also uh, benefits other companies as well. So, you know, we'll have to take a close look at some of the, uh, the finer points of their tax package and cut through the rhetoric and see if there's anything in there that uh, might make sense. But look, you know, is this the time to be taking away those preferences? Given the fact that the, where the oil markets have been over the last year and a half, I, I don't think so. You wouldn't think so. But you know what uh, also bothers me? How much inaccurate Joe Biden says. He's got this reputation as a straight shooter. If I make a mistake, I'll tell you. At the border, he said the surge was happening before he got there. Uh, with the one uh, uh, with the Georgia election law, he's making up scenarios and statements that don't exist in the law, pointed out by the Washington Post. And then he doesn't miss a chance to take a shot at the man you work for, President Trump. Listen to this. Cut six. I didn't hear that cry, you and cry, when we're doing the same thing. When Trump's tax bill passed, 83 percent of the money went to the top 1 percent. You know, this is not to target those who made it. 
not to seek retribution. This is about opening opportunities for everybody else. And here's the truth. We all will do better when we all do well. Do you find that accurate? Was, was your tax cut for the only top 2%? No, it's just outrageous. You know, and I think, yes, you're a reader and writer of history. I've never seen anything like this administration, this president. He makes gaslighting a governance strategy. He constantly takes one position from the podium from that comes out of his mouth. And if you look at the facts, if you look at the actual policy proposals, they are far from that. He talks about being a unifier, and every decision he makes, he divides the country. And so, you know, this, unfortunately, is an area where the American American people would like to, both parties to come together and do an infrastructure deal. Unfortunately, that's not what we have being sent up to Congress. Right. But what you'd had, too, is middle class benefited. I was talking to Kevin Brady last night, uh, who was chairman of Ways and Means, had a lot to do with the construction of that policy. He said three out of every four dollars help you up middle class families. And the upper, you know, the brackets got the biggest tax cut were middle to working class, not the uh, not the upper class. You went from that 39 point something to 37, right? Right. And, and that's all true. I mean, this was intentionally written not to favor the highest brackets and the highest earners uh, in the same way that uh, tax reforms had been structured in, in years past. This was a different strategy. It was meant to help the lower brackets uh, and to ensure that we had global competitiveness for our corporations so that they earn profits here in this country. I want you to hear what, uh, what also he said about corporations, because uh, he has a, a special place in hell for them, I guess. Cut nine. In 2019, an independent analysis found that there are 91, let me say it again, 91 Fortune 500 companies, the biggest companies in the world, including Amazon, that use various loopholes so they pay not a single solitary penny in federal income tax. I don't want to punish them. That's just wrong. Farmer and teacher paying 22 percent. Amazon and 90 other major corporations paying zero in federal taxes. I'm going to put an end to that. What is the truth about the corporate tax rate? You know, I, I'd need to understand what he's referring to with regard to Amazon, and but this is a, a an, an area where his his response, his policy proposal, is such that he's going he's not he's not going to be just dealing with Amazon or some of these uh, big multinational corporations that have found too many loopholes that have lowered their tax liability to a point where you and I might say there's something off there. He's he's going to be doing it for all corporations that uh, are paying the corporate rate, and it's going to be raising their taxes. So, you know, it is something that is uh, uh, really troubling and goes in the in exact opposite of trying to bring investment, jobs, and capital back to this country. So uh, right now, I believe almost all indication shows and logic reveals that we're about to take off. If we can avoid a, a, a so-called fourth wave, we continue to vaccinate and have these uh, numbers drop, this economy is going to hit turbo speed. My fear is that's going to reinforce these Biden policies. They're going to take credit for it. What do you think? What do you think we're looking at this spring and summer? Well, you know, we, just the very reality of where we have been as an economy and the fact that so many of our states are still in lockdown, we're going we're gonna to grow out of that. But I think the challenge right now is that 
his policies are going to act as a substantial wet blanket. I don't think we know the answer. I mean, for instance, you've got uh, interest rate concerns. You've got uh, uh, inflation concerns. All of these are counteracting. Uh, and these are the policies that we're focused most on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's not taking into effect the war on energy that's being uh, – uh, redone the fact that he's trying to uh, overturn our six to one deregulatory for every regulatory initiative uh, that the president did in the last administration. So all of those things are beneath the surface. And I think that as we uh, move forward in the next several months, it's going to be a perfect storm to see whether how much and and if the growth that you and I know is it should just be baseline and natural based on the low levels from the lockdowns and COVID, how much of that uh, gets recouped. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Russ, can't thank you enough. Russ uh, Vogt, former director of the uh, OMB, Office of Management and Budget, uh, for the Trump administration. Russ, thank you. Thanks, Brian. You got it. one 408 I'll come back. Take your calls. Uh, this is the Brian. And also, find out if there's more to know. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one -on -one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to, to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. All right, everybody. I've been thinking about it, and I'm just wondering if there's indeed more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. It doesn't feel like opening day, but it's indeed opening day. In Major League Baseball, 30 teams all scheduled to play, which is kind of good. They used to break it up and put a game on Sunday and maybe a special game in Japan on Saturday. This time they're just waiting. 15 games are to be played. Games get set to get underway at 105. The Yankees hosting the Blue Jays. We'll go through the night with three games on the West Coast. 162-game uh, season. So here we go. Are you ready to play a full season of baseball? Listen or watch a full season of baseball. I know a lot of Americans are. However, you know, only the Texas Rangers um, are allowing 100% capacity, and President Biden had an issue with that. Right. The Texas Let's... Rangers say there will not be any attendance restrictions in their stadium this season. That means it could be filled to capacity, Mr. President, 40,000 people with masks required except when actively eating and drinking. What are your thoughts on the Rangers' decision? Well, that's a decision they made. I think it's a mistake. They should listen to Dr. Fauci and the scientists and the experts. Um, and uh, but uh, I think it's not responsible. Right. Dr. Fauci took his mask off after he threw out the first pitch uh, when we were in the middle of a pandemic and just sat there without it. So Dr. Fauci says uh, the Rangers should not sell out. Whatever he says goes. By the way, I think they're having trouble selling out for opening day because I think people are a little wary still going out. I can understand that, though. Rob Manford, the commissioner, says we're an outdoor sport. I think it's safer, safer to go outdoor activities. Quote, I think there's a pent-up demand for entertainment products, and we're going to do everything we can possibly do to get the best opportunity to take advantage of that. I think 50% for Colorado is the next. In New York, there's about 10%, which is like nothing, which is causing these ticket prices to go flying through the roof. Well, it'd be interesting, though, right, if they're get, making more money to get the ticket prices higher, or I guess whoever has been scalping them, versus 100% yeah. not selling out. Baseball needs to sell tickets. Football, not so much, but baseball needs to sell out. Next, Cleveland are banning headdresses. You know, they they might get rid of the name Indians. They've already gotten rid of Chief Wahoo. 
Now they're saying you can't show up with face paint and you can't show up with the Indian headdress on of the chief. It's ridiculous. I thought it's a, I thought it's a salute. I'd never heard Native American communities arguing about that. It's white people on the behalf of uh, of American Indians. Yeah, people need to push back overall, not just on this story. But I mean, we. Well, what are you supposed to do? There, you walk up with a ticket. They say if you go in with that headdress on, uh, we're not letting you. In. So of course you got to go. You got to take it off, right? Maybe get like a collapsible headdress and put it on in the bathroom. Right. Maybe <laughs> that that would be good. Maybe yeah, stick it in your pants. Uh, Cleveland Indians kick off this season against the Tigers on Thursday with their home opener. Next, Roy Williams been around forever. Well, he's not going to be around anymore. The coach in North Carolina at Chapel Hill has decided, got three championships there, has decided to hang up the towel after 48 seasons as a basketball coach. He was a 72 graduate, spent 18 seasons there. He was an assistant under Dean Smith. Uh, man, this guy is good. 903 wins in 33 seasons, 100 or more than any other coach in NCAA history. More than Coach K, which might beat it eventually. Only coach in history with 400 wins at two schools. He was at Kansas for a long time. He replaced our previous guest, Matt Darty, from a couple of weeks ago. Remember? Oh, I do remember. He was great. Yeah. Uh, Matt was a former player who came back to coach and left Notre Dame to do it. Uh, he's the only coach to coach two academic All-American of the year. 32 NBA first-round picks. It's going to be hard to replace that guy. No, oh, Absolutely. 52 of his former players went into the NBA. Right. Pretty impressive. Next, Sarah Palin reveals COVID-19 COVID, uh, uh, diagnosis. She says she has some bizarre symptoms. I read the story. I didn't think they were that bizarre. Uh, she explains that she began, one of my daughters awoke to having lost her sense of taste and smell, immediately tested positive. I then observed symptoms of my son, Trig. Children with special needs are vulnerable. Uh, Trig was born with Down syndrome, so with a higher fever, he was prescribed with uh, astromyosin, which uh, seemed to help him. Palin said she and her son buckled down in isolating quarantine. Symptoms started overnight with a slight fever and sore muscles. She adds she's had some bizarre symptoms, including lack of taste and smell, leading her to assume it's unmistakable COVID. I don't understand. What are the bizarre symptoms? Yeah, I'm not sure. In this piece, it's basically... It's the wrong headline. I agree with you there. I, I mean, maybe her son, but it said she had bizarre symptoms. Next, investigators tasked with finding the cause of Tiger Woods' crash have determined the cause of the accident, but they will not tell us. That according to L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva. No criminal charges, but I sense that this could be another ambient situation. No skid marks. They said when he got to the car, he was unconscious. Gradually woke up. A lot of pain. They thought it might have been shock. What do you think we're going to find out here? Well, I mean, it sounds like we're not going to find anything out, which is annoying. Like, why even put out this headline without giving us the information? Because now everyone's going to speculate. And you could speculate that it's far worse than it actually was. There are some privacy issues on releasing the information. Next, Kobe Bryant's daughter, Natalia, accepted uh, into USC. Uh, she shared the amazing news in a heartwarming video. Tears of joy. I'm so happy for you. Uh, I know daddy would be proud of you, says uh, the mom, Vanessa. Man, that was the biggest story on the planet. Then came the pandemic, almost a year ago, right? A little yeah, over a year. Yeah, a little over a year ago. Indeed it was. So it's so nice to see happy things yeah. you know, for the family. And she was not a basketball player, I don't believe. Next, Jill Biden mocked for botching Spanish. Listen to her. She's uh, giving a speech alongside Governor Newsom, who's being recalled. And uh, they spoke to farm workers on the birthday of Cesar Chavez, who they have a bust of that statue in the Oval Office because Joe Biden likes working people. By the way, Chavez Chavez was against illegal immigrants. Uh, let's listen to Jill Biden speak Spanish. Say it with me. Cesar. Si, si. 
Quadway. The future is ours. Right. Uh, evidently, it was yes, we can. That's what it translated with. Um, so you don't think that came out right? No, it should be si se puede. Oh, all right. Puede? Right? What did it? <laughs> Nonsense. I don't know. One of Biden's dogs next. Reportedly uh, uh, craps on the floor in the White House. It's got to be the shelter dog. I like shelter dogs, but they got to be trained. No, you can't I- let a German Shepherd untrained. German Shepherds are protective you got to train that dog. It was actually the older. It was Champ, the 13-year-old. No yeah, it was Champ. But I mean, at the same they time. Do, they do a study? Well, they didn't do a study. I'm just, of the report says. But the sad part, I mean, you know, when your dogs get older, sometimes they lose their control a little bit. So, you know, a 13-year-old German Shepherd's an old, a larger so you, dog. Do you think he lost control? He's not just wondering why I'm in this place? Well, I would say either lost control or got confused, right, being a new place. Right. So, Major's the dog that's been having the biting problem. Yeah, listen. I had a German Shepherd. They're the best dogs, but they bite people. You need to be trained, especially shelter right. dogs. Like, they, you don't know their past. I mean, you, you, can you take a tour safely in the White House with that dog? I mean, can you even sign up for a tour? It's not safe. Well, that's a COVID thing, not a major Remember thing. I Dream of Genie, Jin Jin? Uh-huh. That dog was vicious. <laughs> Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Thanks so Kilmeade. much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 866 Coming to you from New York, but heard around the country, heard around the world. We're going to be joined by Arthur Idala in a matter of moments, an outstanding attorney. He's got to make heads or tails over what's happened with the Derek Chauvin case, uh, the George Floyd case, uh, and the trial's ongoing right now. Uh, meanwhile, Congressman Kevin Brady will be joining us, too, ranking member on the Ways and Means Committee. I was able to speak to him yesterday about this infrastructure bill and what they were saying about what the bill he had put together became law, Donald Trump's tax reduction bill, and what it meant for the economy in detail rather than rhetoric. And I say, you know what? You're better off coming on and explaining it, so we'll do that. And, of course, i got to remind you, too, while I keep an eye on 2024, Senator Rick Scott's going to be in Iowa. Last week it was Mike Pompeo in Iowa. They're already lining up, maybe assuming that Donald Trump will not run. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We run our business, and I don't respond to boycotts, and you know, we live in a divided time. There's as many people probably on the other side that are upset with me now as were last week. But we were clear before this whole discussion started that we need to protect the right to vote, and we're continuing uh, with that objective. What does that even mean? Ed Bastian, CEO of Delta, getting pressure pressure to, I don't know, condemn the governor? At some point, can we get the truth about the Georgia election and that law? As of now, we see Hollywood stars, pro sports, and corporations begin to cave to inaccurate woke pressure emanating from the president himself. Number two. There's no end in sight. More families keep coming. More children keep coming without parents. And then uh, in other parts of the border, they're seeing massive upticks in the number of people who are trying to evade arrests who are getting caught. So those are people who are not asylum seekers. Oh, there it goes. Uh, The Biden Borden bungle. It continues. Not a visit from the president, not a presser from the VP. Just more kids needing care. More converted facilities to house them. We're up to 10. More billions going out the door because our neighboring nations can't run their countries. And the president reversing Trump policies is the cause of it all. Number one. 
2.2 trillion over eight years, I have serious concerns that it's not enough to realize the very inspiring vision that Biden has advanced. And We're that, talking about realistically $10 trillion over 10 years. All right. That is AOC, infrastructure bill or new Green Deal dream. President Biden unwraps his vision of rebuilding America, and this pricey $3 trillion spending palooza looks like an economic IED threatening to blow up our rapidly approaching economic bounce back. We'll give you the details, uh, and I'll do that shortly. And, and by the way, the infrastructure bill, it's getting panned by just about uh, anybody in the moderate right on down. And I even think people got to be disappointed if you're an economist on the left, because if you want to rebuild the infrastructure and have that be your legacy, uh, don't say you want the climate police. Uh, don't say you want to build senior centers. Uh, don't say you want to make sure uh, community colleges are free. That has nothing to do with infrastructure. With me right now, a man who needs no infrastructure. He is well built on the inside and out. He is Arthur Idella, outstanding attorney, takes big time clients, and gets his great defense attorney reputation. Hey, Arthur. Hey, what's happening, Brian? Kill me. Happy Easter. Happy Holy Week. Happy Holy Thursday and all those great things. Right. Easter's coming early this year. We'll discuss that and why Easter changes at one point where Christmas is locked in. One thing about the Christians, they're always keeping you thinking. You can educate us? You can educate us on on, on religion now, Kilmeade? I mean, besides politics and law, now we're going with religion on the Brian Kilmeade show? I was actually going to ask you. You seem to be on top of it. No? (laughs) I, I... I don't have an answer to that question of why there's a different date when Jesus rises from the dead. But his birthday, his birthday stays the same. It's a little bit out of my uh, area of expertise, so I apologize. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the bottom of this. I got this huge staff here, and they're just waiting for questions like this. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, Arthur, uh, first off, this, there's a lot of legal things going on right now, but i got to focus on the Derek Chauvin uh, trial. You know, we watched that nine-minute video to kick it off devastating. Then we watched the defense get up and say, well, this guy had— enough drugs in his uh, in his system to kill him anyway. He resisted arrest anyway. We watch a jury there. We see the torturous eyewitnesses who felt as though they should have done more. First off, from the prosecution perspective, what's your biggest criticism? What's your uh, biggest accolade? Well, um, it's going to be hard for me to read. I know your defense. Criti- I, no, 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 no. It's, uh, I was prosecuted for almost five years in, okay. in, in New York City. Um it's going to be hard for me to criticize them only because they um, they haven't they, they haven't seemed to overplay their hand. They haven't, especially in the opening statements, they weren't overzealous. They weren't yelling and screaming and pointing at Chauvin and saying, this is a murderer and look what he did and he's horrible. And they kind of just laid it out there. And you know why, Brian? Because they can. In other words, they are so confident in their case. And I think they have a right to be that they're not going over the top. They're just kind of putting their witnesses up there, letting them say what they have to say. And, Brian, in recent history, or at least a case I've been involved in, I've never been involved in a case where a jury is not going to have to leave much to their imagination. In other words, there is video from all different angles, including the defendants. So you know exactly what the Including the crime. Are. Even the crime that took the, place. The, correct. The crime. You see, you, you see George Floyd dancing uh, in, in, the, uh, in the, the store before he's coming out. And so he's acting a little odd before that. Then you see the struggle. And look, George Floyd is a big man. And if I'm the defense, if you want me to criticize the defense in their opening statement, which, st- which sets the standard for, in my opinion, sets the tone, I should say, for the whole case, 
they really should have harped more on the difference of the size between George Floyd and, and, and the police officer who's on trial, Derek Chauvin, because there's a huge disparity. I think it's a 120 pound difference and, and almost a foot between them. I mean, that's, 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 that's serious. Um, but the, the look, what's going to be very difficult for the defense to overcome is not even the beginning of that, that nine-minute video, but it's the, the second portion of it when he's clearly – George Floyd is clearly laying there. He's not moving. He's not talking. And, and you know, at, at that point, what is the rationalization to continue to do that? And under the law – it basically, Brian, looks like it's almost a textbook answer for the manslaughter charge, um, which is either you're being so negligent that it rises to the level of criminality or you're intentionally doing something that's disregarding human life. And it's something that you know or a reasonable person would know could cause death. And now what he's lucky about, all kidding aside, Derek Chauvin is, is that he's in a jurisdiction where the maximum punishment for manslaughter is only 10 years. For example, in New York, the maximum punishment for manslaughter is 25 years. It could be as low as five, but it could be as high as 25. So that's the lowest count before the jury. There's also a murder in the third degree count. And then the murder in the second degree count, that the murder in the second degree, that's intentional murder. It's like saying, wait, when Derek Chauvin had his knee on his neck, he was really basically doing that to kill him. Um, the, the, I don't think the jury should find him guilty of that. I don't know what they will find him guilty of, if anything. So, um, but those witnesses, Brian, going on and on and crying and crying, you know, it's – to say that doesn't have an effect on a jury is just naive. Absolutely. So the, I guess the defense seems to be saying – there's so much drugs in his system. This guy's had a long problem, uh, had a big-time problem, and he had all these underlying conditions. And I think he had the coronavirus, uh, that he was going to die. He was in, they weren't able to get him to respond. He was out of it. So I guess they're going to just say he was a drug addict who, dis, who, who broke the law and wasn't uh, listening to law enforcement. That's a reach. The question well, is— what they, Well, what they're going to do, though, Brian, is they're going to bring in their experts— that the defense attorneys are going to be the defense bar. First of all, the defense attorneys are going to cross-examine vigorously the prosecution's experts, and then they're going to bring in their own experts that are going to say. And don't forget, Brian, the first medical examiner found that the the, the neck compression is not what caused his death. The thing is, there's a squirrely little part of the law of the the uh, in Minneapolis that says you don't have to show that what Derek Chauvin did. 100% causes his death. You have to show that it's a substantial part of causing his death. So, it, you know, it, they'd have to prove the defense that he died of a drug overdose, period, amen. Prosecutors just have to prove that, well, the drugs and the neck compression working together caused his death. And that's what I think Dr. Michael Bodden, who you and I know very well, may be called upon to testify to because he did do an autopsy on behalf of George Ford's family. And that's basically he did find that there were neck compressions and that those neck compressions caused had a serious effect on the death of George Floyd. But that that wouldn't affect murder two, right? Murder two is did no. he do it on purpose? Murder, murder three is did he kill him? Correct. Correct. Did he? Did he? Yes. It's murder three here is more like what manslaughter is in New York is that your your acts are so egregious, even though you weren't trying to kill him, you knew or should have known it would have killed him. So, uh, you know, it's a long way to go, Brian. I mean, the last thing I'm going to say, though, is what has definitely come out is 
you know, George Floyd is, was no saint. And although in my, this is Arthur Idala's opinion, what Derek Chauvin did was wrong. It was too severe. The part that really upset me was when the female EMS officer identified herself, said, you know, I'm a public, I'm a fellow public servant. I'm on the job. Just let me take his pulse. And Chauvin went to go reach for his, for his taser. I mean, this is a female approaching him. Okay. She didn't have credentials on her, but she's like, I just want to take his pulse. Like that really disturbed me that she, he wouldn't allow someone. And then even Brian, when the EMS show up with the stretcher, he's still on his neck. He still doesn't get off his neck. So, I mean, that, that, that part of it very much upsets me. And, and in my opinion, severe punishment needs to be handed down. Conversely, George Floyd should not be held up as a saint in our community in any way, shape, or form. Is he a victim? A hundred percent. Should he have died? Absolutely not. Is he a role model? A hundred percent. Absolutely. One thousand percent not. I mean, he did some really bad things in the past. Uh, so, you know, it does. And it's not just, it's not, it's not buying illegal drugs or throwing a 20. These are some really bad stuff. Having said that, the question is, should Chauvin, who everyone's talking about, should he get on the stand? Alan Dershowitz, uh, was, he's your buddy. He loves you, too. Um, he said this last night. Cut 46. A lot of this will be put into perspective if and when the key decision is made by the defense, and that is whether to put former officer Chauvin on the stand. If he takes the stand, he's not going to be able to testify much on causation. That's going to be a scientific issue. But he is the key witness on his own intent. What did he think? Why was he doing this? What was in his mind? Was he distracted by the crowds that were yelling? Did he think that he and his fellow officers had to subdue him? His own state of mind is going to be critical. And I bet you the defense is thinking hard and long about whether to put him on the witness stand. What is his track record like? And would you put him on the stand judging how this trial is going? It's too early to tell, Brian. It's really too early to tell. Often you don't put a defendant on the stand. Often, not always, but often, and you try to pick up because what happens is the judge reads the jury the law, and the law is the burden of proof is on the prosecutor. The defense doesn't have to prove anything. Once you put your client on the stand, even though that's still the law that the burden of proof is with the prosecutor, in their minds it kind of switches the burden of proof, and now it's like okay. Who do I believe more, Derek Chauvin or the prosecution's witnesses? It's it's and in this case, it would probably be a form of a hail mary pass to put him on the stand because, you know, a lot of the stuff that he did is almost unexplainable, I know. And inexplicable, and so I think they need to lean more on their experts saying, look. Had had George Floyd never met Derek Chauvin, he would have going to die that day because before Derek Chauvin showed up, the other cop showed up and he he downed all of these pills. There's a photograph where you could see George Floyd with a pill in the back of his mouth. There's a little white pill in the back of his mouth. He took so much that he fell asleep. Witnesses testified that they were trying to wake him up. They couldn't wake him up. One of the people in the car with him called a friend or their daughter to come and pick them up from the scene because George Floyd was virtually unconscious. So as much as I love and respect Alan Dershowitz, I think that the best way out for the defense 
is to get two or three doctors to testify that the drugs were so so severe in his system. Not what he had taken recreationally early, but when the cops came so that he didn't get busted on a drug charge, he swallowed all of these pills, and that was going to put him down. And still, that's going to be a tough sell, especially in this environment. Arthur, it's good, great to get the analysis as it moves forward. Can I call your people and maybe get you on if I'm willing to meet your fee, and or should I to pay a retainer up front? Listen, you, I go through the Knobloch family, so whatever the Knobloch <laughs> say, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That was uh, one of my my first soccer, my second soccer coach. Was it my second? No, yeah, he was my second soccer coach, and Tommy Knobloch was uh, my great goalie. Um, that and we know each other from that family. Uh, hey, God thanks, bless so, Miniola, baby. All right, go get him, Arthur. Thank you, Brian. You're the best. Uh, thank you. I agree. I am the best. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When we come back, I'll open up the phones, and then you know I'll take. I'll, we're going to go through some of these other things in detail. Also, there's a revelation about Anthony Fauci that shows that Rand Paul was one hundred percent correct. I'll explain. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. We can kind of almost see the end. We're we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. Do you hear what she said? The CDC director just said, if you are vaccinated, you will not carry the virus. All the data reveals in the studies show you will not carry the virus. So when Anthony Fauci said, well, you got to still wear a mask, he wears two masks even though he got vaccinated, Rand Paul was saying, no, you don't. You don't have to do it. You got vaccinated. Why are we getting vaccinated for? When Because you could still carry the virus. Really? You could still carry the virus? Since when? Now he goes, well, we don't, we're looking at the data. Well, she looked at the data, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, CDC director, and said you don't carry the virus. This is huge. Think about this. If I can't carry the virus and I can't get the virus, why am I wearing a mask? What am I protecting? Who am I protecting? That's exactly what Rand Paul was saying about three weeks ago and got some crap about it from Anthony Fauci. Cut 38. You're telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is they have immunity. If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not. You had the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let, let, let's get down to the facts. When you talk about reinfection and you don't keep in the concept of variance, that's an entirely different ball game. That's a good reason for a mask. What proof is there that there are significant reinfections with hospitalizations and death from the variants? None in our country. Zero. You want people to get the vaccine? Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Because he keeps talking about variants. The variants are being held back, thankfully, by all, every one of the vaccines. So Senator Rand Paul tweeted out, Dr. Fauci, great news. T-cell immunity after natural infection shown to include variants. Do we still need to wear multiple masks? And have we covered uh, after we recovered? Or been vaccine, uh, vaccinated? And the answer is no, you don't. So he's kind of mocking him. Because I understand if he's couched it like, I hope so, and this is the way I feel. But what he does is always negative. 
Always looking for additional control. Never admitting when he got stuff wrong. And that's what drives everybody crazy. And Rand Paul as a doctor has had it. He's especially somebody uh, like many of us that just covered freedom and just resent the fact that people are telling us, no, 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 stay home. Let your life fall apart. It's my problem. I'm going to protect you from uh, living a successful life now because of something that will never happen. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. We never said that parts of the law were beneficial. What we said were we, we appreciated the toxic portions of the proposed legislation were being taken out. That's what we appreciated. And that was beneficial. But it's not the law in, in its entirety was not beneficial. We never we never said that. But what we we do is we, we run our business and I don't respond to boycotts. And you know, we live in a divided time. Uh, there's as many people probably on the other side that are upset with me now as were last week. But we were clear before this whole discussion started that we need to protect the right to vote. And we're continuing uh, with that objective and we'll continue to fight uh, to make those changes happen. All right, good. Ed Bastian says, I'm not going to be bullied, and he's against this bill, has even looked at the bill, but it doesn't look like he's going to move his headquarters. What do you want them to do? Well, apparently at first they weren't against it, and then after listening to having discussions with people and listening to his employees, now they don't, they're not in favor of it. So Governor Kemp just weighed in on, on Fox News Channel. I'm not going to be bullied by these people. But I'm also not running a public corporation. I mean, they'll have to answer to their shareholders. There's a lot of people that work for them and that have done business with them that are very upset. And I'll let them deal with that. And Governor Kemp is, uh, you know, you know, he is. Uh, I, you know, when you when you interview him, you, you, you get your point. But they have to have a communications team out there ahead of time explaining what they want to do, what their objectives are. And you heard me with Chris Wallace uh, in a previous hour. Chris Wells has a lot of doubts about the law. If you read this thing, it's it's really not radical at all. And I do believe that Governor Kemp was right when he told me yesterday on Fox and Friends, and we replayed some of it, when he said, look, they're looking for something to count about to H.R. 1, to show it's an emergency. We have to change elections because the states are doing things that's unconstitutional that doesn't allow us to win. So here is a, a cut 33 from the CEO of Delta. When we got a chance to finally see it all put together and had a chance to digest it, as well as listen and hear from the voices of our people about it, we realized that this was restricting their access, our our people's access, particularly in the black community. uh, And it did not step forward. It's important that we take a step forward here uh, in terms of a society that is so polarized. You know, the, the right to vote is sacrosanct, and is. we can't do anything to send a message to people that we're going to make it more restrictive and harder to have their voice heard uh, in this difficult know? time. I, I see. Here's the thing. It, it just it makes people bring an ID. And if you don't have an ID, you're one of the rare people in this country who don't. So if you could do something as governor to flood the zone with people that need ID, they could find their way to a local post office. All the post offices can be manned with the state certified ID. That's the issue. Uh, you can so you can be served refreshments. 
by the precinct, not by outside forces. They want to make sure there's not a drop box in every box because you can't secure them. They want to make sure they're not stuffed. They also don't want ballot harvesting. They don't want to go into nursing homes or senior centers and have uh, Jim Johnson from the Democratic Party come grab all your uh, all your uh, votes or from the Republican Party grab all your ballots and then drop them off. Do you? Don't you want your vote to count? J.P. Morgan goes along with Delta in condemning the law. Listen to Marco Rubio on Delta in particular. He hears about these boycotts. And there's pressure on these companies to do it. There's pressure on Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game. Joe Biden actually requested that. You'll hear that in a second. Uh, There's push to move the Masters. Are you kidding me? First, here's Rubio on Delta. So Delta Airlines are business partners with the Chinese Communist Party, the same Chinese Communist Party that is committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims inside of China. So I look forward to a letter today from their CEO telling everyone that what the Chinese Communist Party is doing with genocide is unacceptable. I look forward to that letter saying that genocide does not reflect the values of Delta Airlines. Of course, they're not going to send that letter, nor is Coca-Cola, nor is any of these other corporations that are out there proving to the world how woke they are, because they are woke corporate hypocrites. That's what they are. They're woke corporate hypocrites. They make billions of dollars in a country that doesn't even have elections. They make billions of dollars working with a country that has no respect for anyone or anything, and they don't say a word about it. But in America, they're prepared to boycott a state and condemn them publicly to show and prove how woke they are. They're hypocrites. Complete and total hypocrites. So Joe Biden keeps saying the same thing and 100 percent right. Marco Rubio all over it. I hope he does run for president, by the way. He's so he's so clear on so many issues. So Joe Biden keeps bringing up over and over again the false claims that they close the polls early, that you not not have any drop boxes and you're not going to give any water. Says it's un-American. Jim Crow on steroids. The Washington Post called him out, but he still makes the same statements over and over again. For example, that the polls close early. Here's Joe Biden again saying something inaccurate a day later. Cut 30. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. Deciding that you're going to end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off work. You're in Fort Pinocchio's on that. You know, it's not ending that. You want to say among the outrageous parts of the new state law, it ends up voting hours, uh, you know, cutting voting hours to hurt working people. Glenn Kessler of The Washington Post, no friend of this network, believe me, said one could understand a flub in the news conference. But then the same claim popped up again. Not a single expert we consulted who has studied the law understood why Biden keeps making this claim about the polls closing early. He says... Biden framed his complaint in terms of a slap at working people. Many listeners might assume he was talking about voting on Election Day, not early voting. But Election Day hours have not changed. An additional mandatory day of early voting on Saturday was added to the two days of early voting on Sunday were codified as an option for counties. Somehow, Biden wanted to turn the expansion into a restriction aimed at working people. Here's what Joe Biden said again. Because there's pressure on Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game out of Georgia. uh, Out of Georgia. That's coming up in July. Listen to it. I think this is so irresponsible. Cut 31. I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. People look to them. They're leaders. Look at what's happened with the NBA as well. Look at what's happened across the board. The very people who are victimized the most are the people who are the leaders in these in these various sports. And it's just not right. 
So he'd encourage a boycott to leave Atlanta. So the stadium workers, uh, the surrounding players, all the preparations they've made, move them out because you don't like Georgia's election law, which adds this outrageous idea that you should have ID. So Major League Baseball better hold the line. People got to start showing some guts. And if corporations can't show guts, how's the little guy going to be show some guts out there? Chris, listen on WOKV in Florida. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. Uh, the, the one thing that nobody seems to be paying any attention to, it's easy to vote. It's easy to get an ID so that you can vote. And, you know, that's the responsible thing. Anybody that's, you know, going to be responsible is going to have an ID anyway. But what I don't hear anyone saying anything about is what about protecting my right to vote? Because if you don't have an ID and you show up and you say, I just want to vote. Oh, by the way, my name is Brian Kilmeade. I'm here to vote. Yeah, it's not fair. I mean, why wouldn't you want to know the person ahead of you is the person they say they are? Why wouldn't you want to know that mail-in ballot has a Social Security number on it or a driver's license number on it or a picture on it? Come on. It's, it, this is a joke. And if you show up, if you know there's a long line and you know you get thirsty, grab a bottle of water. Right? Don't, don't, don't get mad at Delta. I appreciate the call. Thanks, Chris. WOKV. Love being on there three hours. So the infrastructure bill is causing a lot of controversy. A lot of people are upset by it. They realize only 10% is about infrastructure. It's going to be a habit, you know, uh, labeling one thing, but putting the different thing in the actual bill. Congressman Kevin Brady, ranking member of the Ways and Means Committee, who helped write Donald Trump's tax reduction bill. So successful prior to the pandemic. He'll be next. Don't move. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm going to bring Republicans into the Oval Office, listen to them, what they have to say, and be open to other ideas. We'll have a good faith negotiation with any Republican who wants to help get this done. But we have to get it done. I hope Republicans in Congress will join this effort. I hope and I believe a number of businesses will join this effort. And I hope and believe the American people will join this effort. Democrats, Republicans, Independents. Uh, if he wants more than a five-vote advantage when it comes to his infrastructure bill, he's going to have to win over Congressman Kevin Brady, ranking member of the House and Ways Committee out of Texas. Congressman, you help write the Donald Trump's tax reduction law now. How do you feel? What, what would this do to that? Yeah, it eviscerates. Uh, Brian, thanks for having me. Uh, b- bottom line is this. It, this returns us to the bad old uh, economy of Obama and Biden, where jobs were moving overseas along with companies where paychecks were flat, growth was slow, um, uh, minorities, women, disabled, had few if little opportunities to rejoin the workforce. So they are taking us uh, backward in a major way. And can you imagine, Brian, here we are trying to recover from the biggest economic blow we've had in 90 years, and they are imposing a a massive $2 trillion tax increase on the very businesses who we want to rehire all these jobless and giving us, giving America, imposing on America the tax rates worse than China has and equal to the tax rates of Syria and France and pretending that's going to create jobs and higher paychecks. That's why, as we talked yesterday, this is, in my view, the biggest economic blunder we've seen in our lifetime. 
uh, blunder. Uh, people were stunned, and I am too, that according to the Washington Post, only 5% of the bill is directed towards roads and bridges, traditional yeah. infrastructure. The rest is more about policies, upgrading child care facilities, home care for seniors and disabled. Uh, we're going to have, uh, get this, I don't even know if you realize this, we are going to have a civilian climate corps who is going to need $10 billion to get off the ground, $12 billion for community colleges, and then $16 billion, bad news for the Texans, $16 billion to cap oil wells in old mines. Yeah, this is a, just like the COVID stimulus was neither about COVID or stimulating. This infrastructure bill has very little to do with the infrastructure. By the way, if it did, you know, Republicans would be in, in the president's office offering to help build new roads and bridges, ports and railroads. Of course, we would do that. But this bill has next to nothing to do with that. The other thing is, you know, this is another kill shot on American energy workers. Uh, they are raising taxes uh, on a number of energy provisions that are very routine and normal that other businesses enjoy. But but here's the key thing, Brian. They are targeting the smallest independent energy uh, producers, literally the mom and pops who do less than 15 barrels a day. Uh, there is a, a longstanding small business deduction for them. By eliminating that, not only do you eliminate about 50,000 jobs, but there's about 12 million mostly retirees who depend on the royalty income from those very tiny wells who are basically it's, – it's about $500 a month. They use it to supplement their Social Security. That's gone. You know, he, has a, so when you, he has no clue yeah. about that. No, no. But I want no, you to he hear, just, what, he, I want you he to hear what he said him. about you and your program. Cut six. I just hear that cry, you and cry, when we're doing the same thing. When Trump's tax bill passed, 83 percent of the money went to the top 1 percent. You know, this is not to target those who made it, not to seek retribution. This is about opening opportunities for everybody else. And here's the truth. We all will do better when we all do well. So tell me about who benefited from what you guys did with taxes. Yeah, President Biden's statement there is flat-out false, and he knows it. Uh, he's been fact-checked so many times by factcheck.org and others who simply say it is not accurate. The fact is most Americans received a tax cut, including and especially the middle class and low income. Uh, most of the tax cut went to families, not to businesses. In fact, three out of every $4 went to families, not businesses. And the wealthy actually ended up paying a bigger share of the government under our tax reform because we were focused on working families. So it's, I, I hate to, to call people liars. I will just say, you know, that is absolutely not the truth. And by the way, you know, if you want to help people, that's what we did under tax reform. So, you know, you, we all know the amazing unemployment numbers, but I don't think people remember that two years after tax reform, um, we drove the highest household income in Americans' history. At the same time, we had the lowest poverty rate in American history. So we helped families uh, increase their budgets for their families, and we drew more people <clears throat> into the workforce and out of poverty. That's how you help people, not just government spending and tax spree. So he says he is um, 
He's going to raise the, the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28. It was at 35. What's the big deal? Yeah, it uh, it takes us uh, out of the competitiveness. We will have the one of the worst tax rates in the world. Um, this is for China, for Japan, for Europe, for Canada. They are toasting uh, President Biden right now because he's doing uh, what they can't, which is he is severely weakening, if not sabotaging, America's competitiveness around the world. So good news for them, really bad news for us. I think we're going to see, I predict, not only will we see less growth, less jobs, less investment in the U.S., we'll see a second wave of businesses moving their jobs and manufacturing overseas, exactly what they were doing during Obama-Biden. Here's what he says is the problem with corporations in America. I don't know if you had this issue, if you want to tackle it, cut nine. In 2019, an independent analysis found that there are 91, let me say it again, 91 Fortune 500 companies, the biggest companies in the world, including Amazon, that use various loopholes so they pay not a single solitary penny in federal income true? tax. I don't want to punish them. That's just wrong. Is that true? No. All these companies pay massive amounts of state, federal, and local uh, taxes. Uh, there may be a year where because they've perhaps expanded or really gone in and researched and development or bought tons of new technology, we provide uh, incentives to do that because it grows the economy. So there may be a year where they don't have an official tax amount, but I guarantee you the years ahead and the years coming up, they are also paying uh, income taxes as well. So I think, again, uh, it's just not true. So are you will if he calls you to the Oval Office, will you go? Absolutely. Anytime I get a chance to tell him just how wrong this is for workers and families from the U.S., I'll do it. Would you think that he's making these decisions? You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I just know this is after promising unity and working across the aisle. Absolutely none of that has happened. This is, Brian, as you know, I've been here. This is my 13th term. This is the most partisan president in White House uh, in modern times, and I don't see it changing. And by the way, between this, what's happening at the border, and what with the $1.9 trillion, uh, he's has no problem not telling the truth. Congressman Kevin Brady, thanks so much for your insight. You helped me last night on the Five, and you helped America today. Thanks, Brian. Take care. All right. And he left a Zoom meeting to join us in the middle of a meeting for us. Go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com. You can get our, time, uh, our show anytime, anywhere on the podcast on BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Order any of my books, including Thomas Jefferson, The Triple E Pirates, George Washington's Secret Six, Andrew Jackson, The Miracle of New Orleans, and Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. Thanks for listening. Keep it here. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.